Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of my podcast. I know it's been a little while since I last recorded an episode, but I'm coming back with a little bit of a refresh and a new idea. And basically, the idea is I'm really bothered by the fact that people sort of are super down on Connecticut all the time. And I think it's really, really important to sort of put a spotlight on something that's really good that's happening in Connecticut, which is that there's a lot of young people in particular who are doing really, really cool things in our state. And I think that it's important for us to focus on that because that's the future of Connecticut. And that's what's exciting to me. So uh, hoping that there's not going to be a lot of politics in these guests. Uh, It's going to be mostly people from outside of politics that I'm just getting to know. And I'm really enjoying meeting them. And it's really given me a lot of confidence uh, and frankly, excitement about the future of this state, which I love so much. And I hope you love this episode, which is really, really special. Uh, our first guest is Chef Roshara Sanders. She is a veteran of the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, she is a budding prodigy when it comes to culinary arts. And she's the first Black woman ever to be a teacher at the Culinary Institute of America, which is a really big deal. So I hope you enjoy the conversation with her. If you have ideas about future guests, I hope that you will DM me and let me know who they should be. And if not, I look forward to uh, sharing these cool episodes with you in the future. All right, everybody. My, my guest today is Chef Roshara Sanders. Uh, she goes by Chef Ro, and she's originally from Bridgeport, and she's had an incredible life. And I'm so excited uh, that she's the first guest on our new series talking about the young people in Connecticut from Connecticut who are making a difference in our world in a lot of different sectors. So, Chef, uh, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate having you today. Thank you so much. It's such an honor. Um, thank you for having me. So tell me, you're from Bridgeport, right? I am originally born and raised. I am a Bridgeport native. Yes. And when you were young, did you have any sort of interest in food? Where, where did the food interest come from? Um, yes. Yeah, so my mom um, is from Queens, New York. But when she moved to Connecticut, that was like her first introduction to the city. So she worked at a soul food restaurant. And now she's currently continuing to cook in the industry as well. So she's been working at Sacred Heart for at least like 26 years in the food service industry. Now, I think you, uh, like me, were raised by a single mom. And so for me, when I was a kid, uh, my mom never had time to cook big meals because she was always running around. She was working. She was trying to get me to think. But it seems like in your house, cooking was always a a thing. Was that a a way that you found that you bonded with your mom? How did that spark an interest with you? Um, Absolutely, because, you know, food is a love language. So, you know, my mom made it her business even though she was a single mother and she worked two to three jobs um, to come home every night to cook a meal for me. So that just, you know, it really opens up a bigger relationship, you know, some, not just because she's my mom doesn't mean we have to be close, but seeing that, you know, working long hours and she dedicated herself to make sure that I got some love through food. It, it definitely translates the way I cook today. Mm. So then um, tell me about your decision to enlist in the military. Right. So um, I got accepted to the Culinary Institute of America back in 2007, and I wasn't able to afford to go to school. So I decided, you know, maybe I'll just join the military to get the GI Bill because I know the school was um, started for veterans. So that's how I enlisted. And that's why I enlisted. 
so the history of the school actually was started to, to help veterans become right. And it actually artists. started just great that everybody should know. It started in New Haven, Connecticut, the campus oh, wow. originated in New Haven, Connecticut. And once it got big enough, um, it moved to Hyde Park, New York, where it's currently located now. And in the military, were you um, were you working with culinary arts or were you doing other things? I know I, I read a little bit about you that you deployed to Afghanistan, right? Yeah, Iraq and Afghanistan. And I did not do culinary in the, the military. Um, I was a warehouse supply specialist. So like ordering, receiving, inventory, distribution, which translates really well to culinary because you have to order, you have to do inventory, you have to distribute, you have to receive. So it goes hand in hand. So I guess now is a time where I want to ask you something, which is, you know, the GI Bill is awesome, right? It helps so many people out. But I'm sort of stuck on this notion that you um, had to choose basically to go into the military because you really didn't have any other options. Talk about if you hadn't decided to do the military route, what would you have done? Do you think that you would have ever been able to find a way to fulfill that dream and go to that school? What, what other option was there for you? Um, definitely, that was my situation. I'm um, a really willful and resilient person. So if there's a will, there's a way. I would have definitely gotten to the culinary, but it would have took me probably four times as long because it is an expensive school. Um, but I definitely would have got there because the point and the purpose of life is to fulfill your dream. So yeah. there would have been nothing else for me to do. And that's why I got out of the military because I served for six years and I was doing something I didn't love. So yeah. it was like the point I wasn't fulfilling my purpose so now I have to fulfill my purpose. So definitely. So you serve in Iraq and Afghanistan, you come back and your roommate, uh, in my understanding was a chef and she was tragically killed. Um, yes. and, and I had read something about you where you had sort of said that, um, because you guys shared that love of food and that history, and she was sort of always encouraging you that that was the spark that led you to want to sort of actually finish that and actually come back to culinary and live that dream. Is that, is that the story there? Yeah. So um, she was a 92 golf and her job was to be a food supply specialist. And um, I was debating on whether I should reenlist or not. So what I actually ended up doing was going reserve because I was this close to reenlisting active duty, mm -hmm. but she was like, no, you should definitely get out. Cause this is something you hate. You know, I live with her. So she's like, you hate this and you should go to school and she pursue your dream. Um, and then when she tragically passed away, I was like, you know, how she passed away when she was murdered, it was physically in the room that we shared. Mm -hmm. So Every, every time I think about it, I'm like, I used to physically live there. So what if I was still there? You know, yeah. like, what if it happened a couple of weeks earlier? Um, so I just feel like God or the universe, whatever you subscribe to, allowed me to kind of dodge or cheat death, if you will, to be able to pursue my dream. Because I it wasn't like it happened, you know, off. it was literally in the room that I slept in every single night. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of airy when you think about it. So... Then you live your dream, right? You go to this school. Tell me what the vibe at this school is, right? Uh, do you feel like you walk in there and you immediately were like, wow, this is where I belong? Or did you feel like it was uh, a little bit of an adjustment coming from Bridgeport to Iraq to one of the most prestigious schools in America? How, how, how did you feel when you finally made that dream? I mean, you know, just everything comes into full fruition. So as a Bullard Haven student, I visited the culinary. And I, when I visited the culinary then, 
in 2005, I, I already knew I was going to be there. Yeah. So it was just like, wow, this is actually coming to pass for me. Um, and it's an easy transition because as a chef, you have to be at the right place in the right time in the right uniform. It's yes, chef. You know, Escoffier, Bocuse, these great chefs, they have this brigade system that we live off of. You have an executive chef, a chef de cuisine, a sous chef, line cooks. Chef. So the military is shaped and set up the same way as the culinary industry. It's very tough. It's very cutthroat. It's very male dominated. So mm-hmm. I was literally just changing uniforms, if you will. There was there is yeah. no difference to me. But was the class representative of America or was the fact that you were, you know, an African-American woman who had served in the military, was that a unique thing at at the time at that school? Right. It's still a unique thing. Um, That's why I think I'm, it's unique for me to be the first black woman to teach there in the culinary arts department. Um, So yeah, there's not a lot of people of color that go to the school. Um, So anywhere, that's the industry. So I'm always a unique um, addition to anywhere that I walk into. But the classroom setup is, if you will, American, but it's really diverse. We have a lot of international students, mm. a lot. So I'm in cuisines of Asia. I'm in cuisines of Mediterranean. You know, now as a professor, we're now implementing an African diaspora um, master's degree program. So the school has just expanded and, you know, it's just a whirlwind of different opportunities and experiences. So let's talk food for a second, because I love food. And my favorite thing that I've missed so much during COVID is going to restaurants. My wife and I have a a little uh, son. And so both of us have been super cautious about what we do. And we did a little outdoor dining, but we haven't gone into our favorite restaurants. Um, And I miss that so much because for me in my life, um, discovering food was such a fun experience, right? Like I said, when I was growing up, this is not a knock on my mom at all, but um, I just didn't have some of those experiences, right? Where I wasn't trying Indian food, right? I wasn't trying a banh mi sandwich from a Vietnamese place. And um, I was growing up in suburban Connecticut. So some of those things were not there. And my mom really worked hard to you know, open my eyes to stuff, but it wasn't really until I went to school and college in Boston that I was able to sort of try different stuff. So tell me what it's like to walk into to culinary and you maybe have an idea of what you want to cook, right? And, and what kind of chef you want to be, but do you learn how to be a chef for all different kinds of cuisines? And then you sort of just pick what it is almost like a major in college or how does that work? I mean, it kind of de- depends on the chef. I mean, for me, I, for me, I just build my character as a chef. So I want to be a leader. I want to be professional and the cuisine is is there for me to learn. So I don't like to, I don't like people always ask me, what do you specialize in? Or, or like, what is your main focus? Is it like Southern? Like, no, I am chef row. This is what I represent and I can do all food. You know, um, I travel a lot. So like if I spend time anywhere in Dubai, I'm really going to be engulfed in in like the Lebanese cuisine or Middle Eastern cuisine. So wherever I go, I adapt and I immerse myself in that culture. Um, And that's what food really is. You know, what is American food? Right. It's infusion. You know what I'm saying? So every chef should be an infused chef. I tell all my students, whether you're in the food science program or not, you're a food scientist because you have to understand how heat works. You can't just say, oh, I'm cooking. No. What does that actually mean? This is energy, kinetic energy, et cetera, et cetera. So I think for me, you know, I don't specialize or I I do all things in food because food is all also interconnected as well. Do you have a favorite thing to cook though? What is the favorite thing that you like to do? People ask me that. I don't because I'm ever, I'm ever evolving, yeah. you know, like, um, 
for right now, I'm really into bread. Like I'm really into baking. I just did a really cool national biscuit days tomorrow. Right. So I did a reel that I'm going to post on Instagram with the school. We made, you know, biscuits laminated the dough. So I'm really into this like form of cooking now yeast and understanding that next week it could be something. I could just be, I'm a really big pasta head. So I might go back into that. So it just kind of depends on my mood. Um, I'm trying to get into, you know, cooking more vegan vegetarian because what's not sustainable, what is sustainable. Mm. So I'm a trendy chef. I kind of, kind of go along with, you know, what's going on in the world. Does food still challenge you? A hundred percent. I mean, think about it. There's over a hundred different species of apples. There's over a hundred different species of potatoes. You, how could anybody, there's yeah. no master at this. Yeah. You're ever forever student what's what's it like you know you 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 hear from successful people all the time um 90% of the of the success you have when you win the nba championship or you win a grammy nobody sees right it's because you're doing it behind the scenes how do you practice right like what what does practice look like for chef row given how successful you are is it a lot of tinkering at home is it in the kitchen at the school how does that work for you that's a great question um it's it's both. I mean, I just got to school, right? So I'm a first year teacher. Before that, I was at Oceana Michelin Star Restaurant. So everywhere I go, I practice. Anywhere that I that employs me, I practice. But 100% at home. I make a lot of mistakes at home. A lot of things I don't like is always from my personal kitchen. Mm. And then when I'm able to go out and cook for other people, it's always at 100% because I've done so much work on my own. Because food is therapy for me. I don't cook to make money. I tell my students, like, what are you in this for? If you're in it to make money, then you need to get out. I'm in it because it's my passion. You know, so a lot of, a lot of uh, food and research at home for sure. So for me, I have found cooking to be super therapeutic during COVID. I was never a good cook. I'm probably not a good cook. My wife would be (laughs) straight up tell you that I'm not the best. Uh, I had some hits like pasta when I was a young guy. Um, but now I'm, I'm trying to experiment that. And it's frustrating to me. Sometimes my personality is I get easily frustrated when I don't feel like I'm good at something. Um, and so, but I'm, I'm rolling with it and I'm having fun with it. And I feel like there's probably a lot of people out there doing that right now. What advice would you give to people who are amateurs at home trying to learn that love language that you're talking about and and the joy of food what what's the best way for people to break into that and actually like me not be frustrated by it but actually learn to love it um well first you have to practice mindful cooking because Mm. food is a therapy right so if you're putting the onions in the pan look at how it's actually caramelizing in the pan you're pulling out this natural sugars out of it and it's turning brown like this is all science actually happening in front of your face if you're going to fry an egg watch the egg protein coagulate like really absorb what you're doing Mm. and take your time i feel like people like to rush through cooking um and they look at it as a chore instead of looking at looking at it like this is literally sustaining my life let me give it some respect my students they come and they chop up and they beat up broccoli i'm like wait a second relax respect that literally respect that broccoli you wouldn't even be here if food didn't exist if the if the grain if the seed didn't exist me and you wouldn't even be having this conversation so if we actually look at food that way and appreciate food then everything is going to change you're really going to find peace in it Mm. do you find that even whether you're a professional chef in training like the students that you have uh, at the school or you know amateurs like me is that the hardest 
barrier that people have to get beyond is just patience and learning to love 100%. it. You have yeah, to be patient. Question. Like, what are you rushing? It's not going to cook any faster. It has to cook. Literally, you can't do And I tell my students all the time, like, just it's not going to fry any faster. You know what I mean? Even if you turn the heat up and you crank it, it still has to go through the other temperatures to get to the 500. It's not going to go from 350 to 500. It yeah. has to still go to 375 to 385. to. So you have to take its time. Yeah, it has to run its course. Right. So that's just what I that's what I suggest people do. So I know, I know we just got a few minutes left. I, I just want to ask you, um, you know, we're coming out of COVID. Right. It's been a terrible time for the industry. Tell me about where you think we go from here, right? And and where do some of these big restaurants, the restaurant that you were working at closed, right? Temporarily, is that? It's, it's now open again. So if you have time, please go see um, Oceana. Food is great. Yeah I, um, I yeah, I was there. So literally like the day before we did like 500 covers. And I was like sweating, crying in the bathroom, you know, like, oh my gosh, you know? <laughs> so, and then the next day, like when the city shut down, there was literally two people came in. Yeah. Like I've never, ever, this was so unexpected and it hit a lot of different people. And now that we're kind of coming out of it, um, you know, I, there's definitely, we're a resilient industry and there's definitely ways for us to, especially during seasons, there's so much we can do outside. You know, there's a lot of people are taking COVID precautions and putting these blockers in between six feet apart. And, you know, people are still wearing masks and still respecting people's space. So there's definitely a way to do this. As New York City has a lot of igloos set up. I think that's a really cool, dope, intimate concept. Like we can, there's a future for this. You know what I'm saying? And then whatever happens with the world, if we're able to come back together, then then we'll just be back where we left off. Mm. What can we do to get more young people to get into this industry and especially people who aren't the kind of people, you know, that have the same life experiences that a lot of the students that you have have, right? How can we get people to learn that that industry is welcoming to you? Because, you know, you, you said yourself, you were not the typical student at that school, but you had that dream and you went through a long route, literally it took you to Iraq and Afghanistan to get back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long way away, right? Um, but how, how can we do a better job? <laughs> Say that again. What's the last thing you said? How can we do a better job of, of just making sure that people know that that dream is possible for them, regardless of where they grow up, regardless of what obstacles are put in their path, um, just to make your dream possible for them? You know, whatever is meant for you is for you. I think that's first and foremost. And whatever you think you can do, you're going to achieve. So like food is healing, you know, you have to think about like, so is your mind. So you have to believe in you. A lot of people in the military told me that I was crazy for getting out. It was like, nothing's out there. It's a recession. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I was like, I'm going to be this chef. And then I got out and I just let the cards kind of fold off where they fold. But you have to be dedicated to anything that you want to do. And you have to be disciplined. Mm. And I feel like a lot of young people younger than my generation need to learn discipline in some way. Because just so many doors have been closed in my face, but that didn't stop me. Those closed doors were great opportunities and it just shifted my direction. But I still got to the end goal or the goal that is right now, right? Because I'm ever evolving. So if you discipline yourself and you stay focused and you, you think positive, that's it. What's next for you? What's, what's next on the bucket list? Because you've come this far. Now you, you're the first uh, teacher, uh, at the Culinary Institute, right? 
the first African-American female culinary instructor. So there's black women that teach in the academia department, but as far as culinary, I'm the first out of in 75 years. So what's the next thing you want to do? I would like to have author um, on my name. I think people definitely need some cookbook from me um, because I got a lot of recipes that I would love people to try. And there's always a story, right? What is this? This is indigenous to what? Like my, my creativity is out of this world. So I would like to have author. And if I could really dream big, I would love to like start my own production company. Mm -hmm. I want to like, maybe Netflix might hire me. I might write something like chef's table one day that's mm -hmm. like designed and created and amazing and beautiful. Like I really want to get into like media, food media. Yep. Well, let me tell you, I need your cookbook because <laughs> right? I can learn from you. your wife will love you. <laughs> would love me. And, but, but the, the story I think is so important. And you talked about that because there's so much story behind food, right? And yeah. there's, and I love books and recipes and stuff where somebody is saying, Hey, this is what this means to me. This is what this meant to my family. Um, this is what this meant to me. I, I, I don't know if you saw it, but, um, there was a show on Hulu, uh, Padma Lakshmi did this travel. I love Padma. Yes. <laughs> my wife and I watched it during COVID and A, it made us want to travel, but B, it was so eye-opening to see how much food means to people and culture and how much through understanding that culture, we can understand each other. Um, and I, I just think it's so cool that food can be, especially with what I do, politics, right? It's such a divisive time. We could learn so much from each other if we just try to listen. And one way that we can maybe do that is through food, right? I mean, do you agree with that? Eat at the table. I mean, listen, food is so impactful. If you're on death row, your last meal, right? You have that one last meal. If you're religious, you had the last supper. You know yeah. what I mean? Like food is a way to break bread. It's a yeah. way for me to have a conversation. So yeah. that's that's why I'm I'm in the industry. Well, Chef, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really thank appreciate you. you and all you do. And hopefully we'll have you back when you're a successful author. And we'll talk about uh, yeah. my recipes from your book and how it's going. <laughs> thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Chef. Thank you. <laughs>